Hey, Extra Point listeners, big news, we're moving. The Extra Point podcast now has its own unique podcast feed. Same great content, new spot. Make sure to subscribe to the new Extra Point podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Extra Point Podcast. My name is Todd. Glad you're joining us again this week. Today is Tuesday, December the 12th. And I'm one of the pastors at First Family Church. And on the Extra Point Podcast, what we try to do each week is look back at the previous week's text, gain some further observation, deeper insight, additional application. There are some weeks that we take a break and do some different things. But for the most part, this is what we do on the Extra Point Podcast is uh, dig a little deeper into the previous week's text, and I want to do so this week. I mentioned in my message Sunday that I'd bring a little more insight into the concept of or the idea of affections in this episode of the podcast. Sometimes they're referred to as spiritual affections. Um, sometimes I refer to them as our appetites. But it's that which is inside of us that longs for the Lord. It's those spiritual desires it's that new nature, and so I want to talk a bit about that in a more uh, deliberate and definitive fashion. First of all, let me encourage you to read um, things by the Puritans, especially Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards uh, wrote a good bit about spiritual affections. He wrote a lot about the impact of them and the necessity of paying attention to them. So that's a good place to start. The Puritans, uh, Jonathan Edwards, uh, were quite insightful on the concept and the idea of our affections, our spiritual affections. So I'd encourage you to start there, uh, especially maybe autobiograph excuse me, biographies about Jonathan Edwards or a collection of his sermons or works. Um, second of all, let me simply say there are um, three phrases that I use to help me understand more about affections. And these phrases really help answer this question, like why are um, affections important or why do they matter? Why do we talk about our spiritual appetites, um, this root issue of our affections? And here's the answer, because affections reveal motives. You could say affections reveal or even expose identity. They bring to surface either what is there or what isn't there. And let me share with you three phrases that I use to help me uh, continually focus on and think about my affections or my appetites and how they're doing and, and uh, where they're focused. Here, here's the three things that not only help me um, uh, understand and grasp more about affections and our appetites, our spiritual desires, but they give insight into how they work, okay? Three phrases I want you to kind of grab a hold of today. Um, affections or appetites are spiritual desires. Uh, first of all, they're not just what I do, all right? So keep that in mind. In fact, you might want to just jot this down. They're not just what I do. Often, we focus on, uh, when I say we, Christendom in general, we, we tend to focus on what we do. And this is often the um, focus when we talk about good works which flow from God's great grace or the acts of obedience. And so it's not wrong to talk about what we do, but an overemphasis on what we do, on just works alone, 
and not what produces or uh, brings about those works can sometimes lead us to thinking that the only thing that matters is an action and perhaps not the motive from which those actions flow. So remember, affections are not really just about what I do. Uh, and they're not just about that you want to do it. And here's where affections can really get deep and um, they cause us to think. So there's the second phrase. It's not just that I want to do it. So often we think, well, here's what I'm going to do, and I really want to do it. So that means I'm good because I have a desire to do it, so that must mean my affection is right. But if we're honest with ourselves, we can be motivated. We can have a desire for an action for a number of different reasons, and not all of those reasons are always healthy. So I think you'd have to admit that. Look in the mirror. Talk to yourself. I've done this. Uh, not every motive is a good motive, and sometimes bad motives can make us want to do something. We may gain something in the end for ourselves. It may give us leverage. It may be an opportunity to manipulate. <clears throat> These are all temptations and illusions. They're solicitations to evil that sometimes we have a desire to do, and there are times we sin and we do something because we want to do it because it gives us in the end something that's actually not healthy, not righteous. It's not a good work, but we still want to do it, right? So it's not just what you do, and it's not just that you want to do it. Those are the first two phrases. Here's where affections really centers in. It's why do I want to do what I do? That's the third phrase, and that is the core issue with the concept of affection, it's why do we want to do what we do? This is where you're exposing motives. This is when you're having that, you know, talk with the person in the mirror that can often be very difficult. This is when personal honesty really matters. And you can't lie to yourself in these moments because often we realize the reason we want to do what we do isn't a really biblical, healthy, or spiritual, or righteous, or good reason. And suddenly we realize we have affections that aren't pointed in the right directions. We love <clears throat> the wrong things. We worship the wrong items. This is what affections is all about. And in all pastoral frankness, when you can answer that third phrase, not just what you do, and not just that you want to do it, but why do you want to do what you do? When you can answer that really fundamental third question or third phrase, you'll really know your spiritual temperature. In fact, you'll probably know a lot about your spiritual identity. Do you actually belong to the Lord? Do you have any desire or any love at all for the things of the Lord? And this is what I was driving at yesterday, that in our obedience, we can't just be focused on the action. We have to be willing to focus on why am I driven to this action? What What's... Um, you know, causing me to want to do this. And if there is no desire at all to please the Lord, because He is the Lord, He is God, He's King, if there's no, you know, fundamental underlying want to in regards to obedience, it's far better to perhaps ask yourself, maybe I'm not actually a child of God. Maybe I've never truly been regenerated and given a new nature, new spiritual desires, new affections for the Lord and the things of the Lord. Perhaps you're just playing the game of church or pretending, or perhaps you're doing these good works because they make you look good in front of people, 
Uh, they keep certain people off your back. Maybe they keep things at home smooth. There's a host of reasons that we actually may want to do certain good things, but those reasons may not actually be good or biblical or spiritual reasons. And so this is the, the understanding of affections. It's not just what we do, and it's not just that we want to do it. It's why do we want to do what we do? And when you can answer that question, you will either expose or reveal the true um, depth, the true root identity that, that you have, the true root motives that you're operating from. And that's when true change actually begins, when one can address that issue, the issue of our affections, our appetites. Do we have spiritual appetites because we know the Lord and, and who He is because of our relationship, because it's relationship that actually begins to change our actions in the long term. Let me close with one illustration that might, I think, um, <clears throat> help us just see how this plays into just normal, everyday conversation and even our life. I was meeting with someone recently, and uh, they were concerned, not in a bad way, they just were asking about the concept of grace um, and then also of, you know, works, and they were just wondering about when should we expect change in someone. I think maybe they, what they were referring to was like, hey, I hear a lot about grace from this person. They're always wanting grace. They're saying that, you know, um, uh, you know, forgiveness and grace, but I think they were not seeing real change. And so this person just said to me, doesn't grace mean we have to do something? And that's a legitimate question in one sense. And I, I think I see their point in that, you know, we don't believe that grace is cheap. It cost Christ his life. He sacrificed himself in our place. And so grace is costly, but it's never earned. It's given as a gift. And it does produce works. The fruit of grace is an, a life is a life of transforming. Uh, it's a life of transformation. It's a, a different life. There's new appetites. All that I agree with. But I find it interesting that she used the word have to. She said, doesn't grace mean we have to do something? And so in our conversation, I said, I think really what I would change in your question is just one word. That grace doesn't mean we have to do something. We're not, you know... Um, compelled in an odd way, like we're against our will, suddenly we are like, uh, you know, forced to show that, okay, I've got grace, uh, you know, almost like this frown on our face, and we're being led to the slaughter, so to speak. Really, grace means we get to do something. And I remember when we had this conversation, I just said, I think the, ch the word I would change is that grace means we get to do something. And this is what grace does. Grace changes our appetites and affections so that we actually have a want to. We are compelled, but we're not, you know, compelled in an odd way like a, a knee in our back type of thing. It's really a urging in our heart. And so the compulsion is not negative, it's positive. We have new desires, and they do grow and intensify in relation to how deeply we get to know the Lord relationally. You see, his identity as king, Jesus' identity as the second person of the Godhead, as God, it changes our affections and appetites so that we then have different actions. We do become more and more obedient in response to the identity of Jesus. And I think this is what I was bringing out in the example of Joseph. In those first 25 verses of Matthew 1, there's this incredible 
um, you know, line of verses about Christ's identity, even in the narrative portions. And then in the final two verses, we see this beautiful climax of Joseph's obedience. And the connection there is that the who always fuels the what. And so, church, hear this. Our what or our obedience will always deepen in direct proportion uh, to the who or to the identity of Jesus. In other words, our actions will always be fueled in direct proportion to our affections. This is really what I was after yesterday, and I think we spent a good bit of time applying things, and so I just want to come back to this and give more insight, some more even practical ways to understand this concept of affections, that it's really not a matter of having to, even though that's not a technically incorrect sentence. Doesn't grace mean we have to do something? Grace will always, true grace will always result in true action, but it's really more of a get-to, and I think that's the heart of of biblical obedience. It's that our affections are so strong and they're so deep and they grow, they intensify because we love Jesus so much that we find ourselves moving towards and longing for deeper, greater obedience. This is really what affections do for us. They move us to action. I hope this has helped today. And I just, again, want to remind you, check out works by Jonathan Edwards. Look into the Uh, works of the Puritans. Keep these three phrases in mind that it's not just what I do. Second of all, it's not just that I want to do it, but the third phrase, why do I want to do what I do? Those are three phrases that will help us understand affections. And then, man, commit to a, a life of knowing Jesus Christ relationally in the Word, in prayer, personal worship, and, and be willing to have deep, honest, in-the-mirror conversations about your motives and why do you want to do what you do. And where you find that, man, if, if you find that there's just not a connection to Jesus, that all your motives are misplaced and misguided and wrong and selfish and, and attached to wrong end results, man, ask God for forgiveness. Come to Christ in repentance and faith and trust Jesus and begin a relationship with God through Jesus based on the beautiful gift of the grace of God and find, as a result, a change in your affections, which will lead you then to really a, a, a get-to kind of life of obedience for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the Extra Point Podcast. To find more content and resources to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus, go online to firstfamily.church slash resources.